Hey, welcome back to Fulfilling Life's Yearnings. Today's guest is regular guy gone entrepreneur, Calvin Wayman. Coming live from the Fly Studio in Commerce Township, it's the Fulfilling Life's Yearnings Podcast. And I'm your host, Blake Giovanni Thomas Sule. And if you're ready to be your best by writing the script of your life to whatever you want it to be, and taking action on your dreams, then this is the podcast for you. It's time to enter the fly zone. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's the fly host you love the most, and I'm back with another episode of Fulfilling Life's Yearnings. And here we are, early morning talk show. I have another special guest for you that I'm excited to bring on, and his name is Calvin Wayman. And Calvin is a contributor for Entrepreneur, and he's also the founder of a social media management company. So without further ado, Calvin, thanks for being here with me today, and how are you doing? I'm doing well, and hey, Blake, I just got to say thank you so much for having me on here. Um, it's an honor that you asked me to be a part of this show, so thank you. Absolutely. See, this is one of my favorite things to do. You know, I jump out of bed like a kid on Christmas morning, ready to <laughs> open up all of his gifts. So this is this is one of my presents for today. So I want to thank you as well for coming on and and just getting started here, Calvin. Can you talk about you know who you are? Because I know why I wanted to have you on, but just give the the listeners an idea of your background and, and what you're up to. Sure. Um, who am I? I consider myself just a regular guy gone entrepreneur and just trying to pursue my dreams. Uh, I'm from Salt Lake City originally and recently over just this last year, in this last year I quit my day job to pursue my dream of working for myself. I moved to Southern California to sell solar systems door to door because I heard that if you're if you can do door to door sales then you should be able to do pretty much anything. So I wanted to challenge myself. Uh, so I sold door-to-door, and what that did is it gave me the tools that I need to handle rejection. And I also used the, some of the income from that to grow my online business. And what I'm passionate about now is helping entrepreneurs grow their businesses by taking advantage of modern tools and technology that are available today. That's awesome. And something that you said there just a moment ago is that you heard that if you could do door-to-door sales, you could do anything. Where did that come from? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the, well, the, my sales background kind of goes back to, I don't know, you, if you're an entrepreneur, I'm sure you've read quite a bit, right? Oh, yeah. So you've probably heard of the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in that book, he, he talks about how to become successful, how to be a business person. By the way, that was the first ever business book I had ever read. Really? In my entire life, yeah. I, I sucked at reading. That's a whole other story. And I <laughs> finally, uh, p- I finally uh, picked up a book. Actually, it was more started listening to books. I discovered audiobooks. But in that book, he says, no matter what business you get into, if you want to work for yourself, you need to know how to sell. So that started my sales career a little over five years ago. And somewhere being in the sales arena, I heard that, well, the hardest type of sales is like car sales and door-to-door. And so I kind of was deciding, well, which one should I go into? And somebody just told me that four months of doing door-to-door is like four years of <laughs> going to a business school. And so I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go check that out. Nice. So how, how was 
the experience of door to door? Because I hear a lot of different things. Was it a success for you? Did you have a lot of challenges and struggles uh, starting out the gate? And what did you take away from it? Oh my gosh. Uh, it, all I can say is, I am glad <laughs> that I did not know <laughs> what the experience was going to actually be like when I started because I probably wouldn't have done it. Mm. But the experience was invaluable. I mean, I have a couple different stories of things that it's taught me, but yeah, it's it was a crazy experience. Painful and largely, hugely, massively valuable. Mm, that's good to hear. So one of the things I remember we were talking about last week is that you said entrepreneurs need to learn how to sell themselves. Where does that come from? Well, the, you have to be you, you have to be passionate about whatever it is that you're selling. And well, and when you're when you're talking to somebody else, when you're influencing them, I think it was Tony Robbins that said, "When there's rapport, the person that is most certain." will always influence the other person, right? Mm -hmm. So if you want to give somebody else that certainty, if you want to give them confidence, there's only one way you can do that, and that is if, if you yourself are confident. So you really, what I'm really saying is you gotta, you got to be confident in yourself, sell yourself on yourself, because if you're confident in yourself, you find ways to be confident, then that confidence can spill over and give confidence to the other person as well. Okay, that makes a lot of sense to me, and I love Tony Robbins, by the way. I think really what got me going and how I set up my podcast is when I read Unleash Your Greatness. Uh, uh-huh. Jeez, about That's the, funny. The I, I, actually, I just barely read that like a week ago, <laughs> like literally. Nice. Yeah, I think what I took away from it was just how you set up you know, uh, all of your different goals that you want to achieve and actually visualize them to actually start uh-huh. putting in the steps to make them happen. So that's cool that you read that as well. And you were also saying last week that there are some main principles of sales. Can you talk about that as well? Sure. So throughout my time doing door-to-door, doing phone sales and stuff like that, as I, I had a mentor that, that guided me along the way that, and I'm so grateful for that. And he had some sales principles that he gave to me and I tested them out and they're, they're real. And what I love about this is about when you talk about sales principles, you can go to a bookstore or you can search on YouTube and you'll see people have hundreds, if not thousands of different sales techniques, right? Right. Like different ways to do things. And if you're a new person starting out in entrepreneurship or in sales, I think you can get pretty overwhelmed, right, of all the different things that are out there. Mm-hmm. So I think it's super important to be able to distill it into principles because there's only a handful of those. Techniques play off of your personality. Some one personality may not work for another person, right? And so you need to know the principles that work for everyone universally. So to kind of tell you what I believe those principles are, the first thing you have to do is before you can talk about your product, about yourself, there has to be trust between you and the other, yeah, between you and the person you're talking to. Okay. Okay. That's, that's so key because you'll see people that they'll, they'll have the greatest product in the world, they'll have the greatest price point. But if there's no trust, if there's no rapport, some people call it rapport, but it, it's, it's essentially that trust, that connection between you and the other party. If it's not there, then there's really there, there's no conversation that can be had. Mm. You could go off and say how awesome things are, but it's just not going to work. 
So, yeah, I don't know if you have any comments about that first one, but that's, um, that's principle number one is you have to have that trust. Yeah, I like okay. that, you, that you started off with, with trust because I think that is really sharing from my own personal experiences. It would be absolutely vital to having guests on the show and, and being able to you know, have a complete stranger, you know, come on and, and be willing to you know open up and talk about their story. So I, I so I think if I didn't have that going for me, I don't think I would have any guests coming on the show and, and spending, you know, a half hour or an hour with me like they usually do. Right. Yeah, totally. So you have to have that because if you don't have it, it it's the beginning of all the conversation. And then from there, <clears throat> um, I'll, I'll, there's something that some salespeople make as a mistake, mm-hmm. as a principle, but it's actually a principle, and I'm going to give it, and then I'll back up and just make sure there's this other principle in between it. Okay. And that's this. Another principle is you have to have relevant value. Now, most people just call this value. You got to give value to somebody, right? Because if you give them value, then they're going to want to buy it. The mistake that salespeople make and entrepreneurs when they're creating their product for the first time, or even if you're in like network marketing or any other type of business where it's prospecting, talking to another person, and giving them value on your your product or your service, Mm -hmm. you go to them with the value, but value is subjective. Okay, People don't realize this, and that's why I added an additional word called relevant value. Okay. Okay. So... Now I'm going to take a step back and put the piece in that has to even be there before you can even go to relevant value, and that is knowing the person's need. Mm. So really, need is principle number two. Okay, you got to have their trust. Then you have to uncover what their need is. This is also their pain point. It's the thing that that's lacking. The thing that they would love to have solved. Okay, so once you understand what that need is, then you can tie that relevant value in specifically to the need. Okay, you've probably heard of salespeople that either feel overly salesy in their like if you've ever been to a store and or you've heard of these this term used car salesman. Mm-hmm. Right now, where overselling comes in, where people come across as being salesy or inauthentic. It's when they're giving this quote-unquote value to somebody and it's not relevant to them, tied to their need. Okay, If it's tied to the need, if the value is tied in specifically to the need conversation you had with them, then it's going to flow perfectly and it's not going to sound salesy at all. You're going to sound completely authentic and you're going to be able to serve the person you're talking to. Mm, okay. So yeah, those are the, the main three. And then the uh, fourth one that's super critical that people tend to forget is you got to realize if you're trying to make a sell, whatever that is, sales only happen at one point in time, and that is now, right? Okay. Um, anybody that's in sales and has tried to sell anybody before, they've probably heard the phrases such as, this sounds good, I'm going to do it later, mm-hmm. or I just got to talk to my spouse first, and then I'm going to do this, or... uh yeah, but I'm going to just call you back mm-hmm. and get back to you, stuff like that, right? And so there's sell, th- those sales, as people will know, just never happen. And so it's a huge principle that in order for a sell to happen, your offer in some way has to have urgency. 
Okay, and people do this very well online. I see a lot of good online offers, and they add scarcity, like there's only a limited number of supply, or the urgency is that it's going to expire. You only have so much time to get it, and so that's really what you got to have. That's what that's what those pieces are for. If you've ever seen like a special or. Uh, the price was going to go up after a certain time where there was only a limited number. Right. That's to help have urgency. So you got to have the urgency so people have a reason to do it now. Okay. Now, with, with that last step, when you talk about having that sale of urgency, in your experience, does that translate into all entrepreneuristic activities or just certain things that you're trying to sell? Sure. Uh, but give me kind of a for, – just for context, give me – um, a little bit of an example of what you mean by entrepreneurial activities, and I'll sure. tie it in. So you have a, gosh, uh, a party service, and, and you want people to come in and paint glasses at, at certain events. Uh, would, would you necessarily say that a sale of urgency to get people in the door would, would also play a part in, in how that whole experience would go as well as, as far as trying to make sure that you are oversubscribed the night of the event? Totally. Okay. If you are trying to get somebody to take any action, whether it's, whether it's to buy something or to go somewhere or to give something of their time or resources, whatever it is, if you have urgency, then that's going to help them make the decision now. Got it. I love hearing that because even even so, from your experiences, how, how has this worked for you? I know you were saying uh, for door-to-door sales, was, was that something that you would try to make sure that they knew right away or would you kind of wait towards the end of it when they were starting to you know, kind of hem and haw about whether they wanted to buy or not? Well, if you, if you go through the flow mm-hmm. this, and you do these principles well, then it takes out the hem and haw. Mm. It takes out people needing to think about it. So the first thing that you got to do, so now some people say, well, these are the principles. How do you, what do the actual applications look like, right? Okay, right. That's kind of what you're asking. You're like, how do you, like, how do you make somebody trust you, mm-hmm. right? How do you find somebody's need? How do you give relevant value? What does urgency look like, right? Right. So, so the first thing that's, there's a few ways that you can create trust. And again, now this is where technique can come in a little bit. Some people will use different techniques to create trust, whatever it is that creates trust for you. But the thing that I have found that creates trust with people is immediately become interested in the other person. Mm -hmm. Start off by showing the other person that you care about them. Okay, Because once you come, um, come across as that you care about them and you're authentic, that is where the bridge comes in. I mean, if you think about the people that you trust in your life, for a lot of people, it's your mom, it's your dad, it's a mentor, it could be a teacher at school, right? Right. People that you actually would share details about your life with. And if you took a step back and said, well, why do I trust this person? Chances are that person cares about you, right? And they've Mm -hmm. in some way have shown you that they truly care about you. And so that's really what you have to do is show the customer that you care about them, that your focus is them and helping them out. Okay, So that's how you create the trust. And then as far as like understanding what the need is, that's pretty simple. You just ask questions. Now, ask questions has the added benefit of uh, portraying trust as well because 
when you ask questions, it all of a sudden positions you as an expert. Mm-hmm. And when you're positioned as an expert, people tend to trust experts as well. But when you're trying to understand their need, you simply just ask a question. Okay. A question that you know is directly tied to their need or directly tied to the value that you can offer. For example, if this is me doing door-to-door solar, I might ask something like, do, do you have any idea how much your electrical bill is right now? Mm. Something like that. Or how much have you been paying or have you been overpaying with your electricity? Something like that. Or have you heard of these new laws that are increasing your electricity rates? Just, just things like that. Something that once they, I get answers to that, I know that I can give value specific to that. Okay. And, and I don't move on to value unless I have that need. Does that make sense? That makes sense. So, and then you can do this on phone sales as well. Like one of the, some of the products I sold as I worked for Beachbody – uh, they had some uh, different workout programs and stuff that I helped launch and sell. And so a need question could be something like, how often have you, do you work out right now? Right. You know, what, are, what are your fitness goals for the new year? What are you trying to achieve in 2016? Right. And based on that, then you can give them the product and then you, can, you also have the chance for upselling and stuff like that. Ah, right? Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, you t- so you then tied in the value, the relevant value specific to whatever their need was, and then you have some sort of urgency. Now, urgency can be tied to the offer, like I was saying. It can be something like uh, you, you, there's only a limited number available. It can be this sale is only available today, something like that. Or it can be something simple like for me, when I did door-to-door – uh, the, the one of the things that we have to do to uh, to to move forward with the assessment to make sure that they they're a good candidate for solar, we do what's called a site survey. And okay. a site survey is just where they a guy comes out and and measures their roof and and stuff like that. And my site surveyor was always in the neighborhood that day. Now, sometimes he really was, and sometimes he would be if I got that person <laughs> today. And so the urgency was, the reason I'm here right now is my guy is in the neighborhood doing site surveys, and, if, and so he can come do yours today while he's here, um, and that way we can get the process rolling. And that was my urgency, to get it done today. Okay. So you just have, a, you just have to have some reason to do it now. So that just kind of gives the flow. I don't know if that – does that make sense to you, how it goes from the trust to the need to the relevant value, the urgency, and then it just flows from there? Absolutely. You know, I'm locked in hearing this, and, and that's some, some great value that you went through for those five steps. And I think those are going to be really good things to be able to implement You know, for any person who is entrepreneuristic or trying to make something happen for themselves. And I remember, Calvin, last week we were talking about you know how you originally sucked at being a salesman, and then <laughs> and then your uh, your mentor said if you follow these steps, and I'm sure those are the steps that you were talking about, that things would change around for you. And and during those mm-hmm. during those, uh, you said you did it for four months or a little bit longer. Um, well, it took four months to make a transition. Okay, yeah, but I, I had mm-hmm. I had done, but then I ended up still working for the company for about five years. Yeah. Okay. And from doing that and and being able to 
essentially modeled the success principles of someone else. How how did that end up working out for you in the end? Because I remember you were saying you started at the bottom when you got there, and, and then where uh-huh. did you end up once you learned all these things? Um, I got to the point where I was the top 1% in the whole company wow. of over 250 agents, and I and at some point I was at the very top, had the very best performance of anybody else in the entire company. And but certainly in the top one percent, so usually the um, um, first, second, or third place of the entire company. Incredible, and that was just by using those those five principles as well. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. really there's so you you mentioned you mentioned I had horrible performance, right? Maybe I'll give a, a kind of how that went and give maybe some challenges and some tools that helped me okay. get there. Does that make sense? Would that work? Right. Okay. So as you mentioned, when I first started my sales journey, the reason I did is I read this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And this was in my final year of college. I've gone my entire life with maybe reading two books a year, if that. And I started like, you know what? I've got to figure out how to read. And I just couldn't read because when I would start to read, I would fall asleep Mm. and I just couldn't, I just couldn't keep attention. But then I discovered audiobooks. And the thing I liked about audiobooks is it had a set time, right? So if a book was seven hours long, I knew that if I just listened to it for an hour a week, it would be, or an hour a day, it would be done in a week, right? Right. And, (coughs) excuse me. And I didn't, at, in the beginning, my whole po- point was just to finish a book. I wasn't even very concerned about digesting it or taking it in. I just wanted to finish a book. So that was my mindset when I listened to my first business book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Now, I discovered something really early with audiobooks that, that freaking changed my life forever. So even though I only wanted to finish the book and I wasn't actually going to think I was, wasn't going to pay that much attention, right. I had found out that I actually learned better through audio than reading anyway. Hmm. And I retained it. I remembered the person's voice. I could remember the concepts. So it was a powerful thing. So to keep a, make a long story short, I read in that book that you, to do anything in business, to be an entrepreneur, you need to know how to sell. And so I immediately started working at this sales company. Okay. And I would love to have said that because I thought I was an entrepreneur really my entire life, that I would be a natural at sales, that I would know how. Okay. But, but in reality, I fell flat on my face. I was horrible. You mentioned how horrible, but I, to give you an idea, I, I still hold the record at that company for the worst performance wow. that an agent ever had. As a matter of fact, I think it was so bad. It was pretty early in the company, but th- there's there's checks in place that if you ever hit that low mm-hmm. now, you would be fired immediately. So you wouldn't even it, it could <laughs> nobody can even beat that record at this point. So so yeah, so I started this company and the founder of this company saw my performance and invited me into his office to have a heart to heart or to let me go. Now, I think it's important to know that the founder of that company was the best salesperson I had ever met. In fact, he was doing uh, phone sales for this other company, and he was so good that he quit that company as an employee and started his own company. Wow. And it's a large, hugely successful company today. And in that meeting, he sat me down, 
he showed me my numbers and he asked me some questions. He, he, he first said, I honestly don't know how you have achieved such great failure. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this is seriously impressive because if you just read the script, I don't, you, you'll perform like at least twice as good as this is. Like, I don't know how you did this. It's quite impressive. And he essentially said, this can't continue because every time I was taking a phone call, I was costing the company money. Right. And so he was thinking about letting me go. Now, a few weeks earlier, I was sitting in one of his trainings. And in his training, he said that if you do what he says and follow what he says, he, will te- he could teach you to be the best that there is. And so he was thinking about letting me go. And kind of in frustration, I just shot back at him and said, you told me you could, be, you could teach me to be as good as anybody can be. And so that's what I want. And so when I said that, he said, okay, I'll make you a deal. And he gave me this ultimatum. And he said, you're moldable. I can tell that you want to learn. So if you do everything I tell you to do, I'll keep you. And I'll make you my little experiment. If you, decide, if you do everything I tell you to do, I won't let you go. But if nothing changes, if nothing happens, we just got to call it what it is and we got to let you go. Right. And I was like, that's perfect. Yeah, I'll do it. No problem. And so in that meeting, he gave me some challenges that I accepted right away. One of them, one of them I didn't know what I was agreeing to at the time, <laughs> but it, till, it, it taught me, it fast-tracked me on my path to success so crazy, I can't believe it. And it was this. He said, okay, here's, here's challenge number one. I challenge you to not hang up the phone ever until the customer does. Hmm. That was challenge number one. Which means after they say thank you, I'm going to I'm not going to buy, I still had to stay on the phone. Or when they said I'm gonna do this tomorrow, I had to stay on the phone and try to get it, them to do it today. And so through that I became really good at I guess turning things around. I mean, okay. at the beginning it was miserable because <laughs> they're saying no and I'm just asking I'm saying just just continuing on the phone with them, and and then (laughs) I'm getting no after no after no. But then one day, somebody said no, and then they said no again, and they said no again. They said no, no, no. And then after several no's, like seven, eight no's, they said yes one time, Mm. and I got the sell. And when that happened, I realized something that that was super key in sales. When somebody says no... Once they already say no and you ask again, the worst that can happen is you stay at status quo. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not that big of a deal. If, you ask, if they already say no and, and, they, and, you say, and they say no again, it, it doesn't go against you again. You just stay the same. But if they say yes just once, then it improves your position. It improves your conversion. It gives you a sell. And so a huge mistake that people make in life, in entrepreneurship in general, is once they get that first no, they quit. They take it. And then they go to the next thing and they get a no and they take it or they quit. But if that, with that one person, if you keep on just – if you just ask again, if they say no, no biggie. You, you're just stayed the same because they already said no. One no is the same as ten no's. Mm-hmm. You know? But if you get one yes, then 
you move forward and, and improve yourself. So that's kind of the, the the story of how things started to change for me. I don't know if you want me to go into like some of the keys that I believe helped me in that process or some of the books that I read that, that helped me as well, or where would you like to go from here? Absolutely. And before we move on, I just wanted to try something different, like a little role play, just like a scenario. So you're calling someone and 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 you're making your you know sales pitch and talking about the product and then the person says no. So can we kind of kind of like try and role play that? I just want to see how how that ends up going. Yes, yes. Now <laughs> let's totally do this. Let's say like one of the products. I don't want to use the name, mm-hmm. but one of the products was a hair remover. Okay, it was a hair remover that was the the demographic was mostly women. So this will be fun for you because you're going to be a woman. Okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're calling to remove hair on their face. That's primarily what it's for. Some women, as they get older, they get hair on their face. Okay, so to set the stage, um, you're going to say no to me, right? Mm-hmm. But before that, we're going to assume that I already asked you about your need, so I have an idea of what it is you're trying to do. Let's say you called in to check out the price and I asked you where you're planning on using it and you said you have hair on your chin. Right. right? Okay. So let's go from there. Go ahead and, and do your do the dirty work. <laughs> hey, um, I have hair on my chin and I'm just calling to, to figure out you know, if this product is the right one for me. Perfect. Okay. What, so you're using this on your – you said you want to use this for your face? Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. What are you using right now to well, remove hair on your face? Right now I'm just using disposable razors. Oh my, you're actually shaving it. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I got to tell you, um, I don't know if you know this about razors, but it actually can make the hair thicker on your face. You've probably noticed that. Have you noticed how the problem's getting worse and worse over time? Yeah, I've been I've been wondering why and I just figured I was, was wasn't just shaving often enough, but now that you mentioned that I I'm looking in the mirror and, and my and the hair every time it just comes back thicker and thicker and I can't figure out why. Barbara, let me tell you. I am just so excited that you called because you're gonna completely level with this what this does. Cause right now, as you, with using the razor as your hair gets thicker and thicker, this device is going to do the exact opposite. Okay. Hmm. What you do, so it's you're, it's probably on your chin where it's the thickest, is that right? Yeah. Okay, so what's going to happen is you, as you glide this on your chin, not only is your face going to feel soft and smooth like it hasn't in years, it's going to do the opposite of, as a razor, meaning over time, the hair is going to come in less and less and less till eventually you're going to have a 94% reduction in the overall hair regrowth. And so I'm just super pumped that you called in. I'm going to get this sent out to you really quick. Now, it comes in two colors for you, Barbara. Uh, do you want it in pink or silver? Uh, pink. Perfect. And I'm going to get your address, and then I'm going to say, really quick, um, does your card begin with the number four or the number five? Uh, four. Awesome. Uh, go ahead with your visa number. Actually, hold on. I'm not ready. How much is this going to cost me? Oh, as you saw, it's just going to be three payments of eighty nine ninety five. Okay? And did you say that card started with the number four? Um. Yeah, it did, but I don't. I don't think I'm ready to actually go ahead. I just wanted to get some information about what the product would do for me. 
totally understand. You're saying you just you wanted to make sure this was actually good. You wanted to get information so you knew if this worked or something. Was right, that right? Right, exactly. I just wanted to call in today and then and then maybe I'll, you know, call back up tomorrow or maybe next week and actually make the purchase. I just wanted to get my my information first. Perfect. Totally understand. Um, can I ask you a question really quick, Barbara? Sure. Perfect. So you mentioned that you're currently shaving right now, right? Yes. And that's making your hair thicker? Yes. So it sounds like what you're trying to do is you're trying to find something that's going to make your hair thinner and so you don't have to shave ever again. Is that right? Right. Okay. Then can I make a recommendation? Sure. Okay. Right now, you called in during a TV special. And so since you're going to do this eventually, you're going to want to do it right now. The first thing is this is going to work for you. I got this for my wife about a year ago, and she freaking loves this thing because she never has to tweeze or pluck ever again. Yeah, Mm -hmm. she freaking loves it. But the most important thing, it's going to work, but you want to make sure you're making the right decision, right? And that's why you wanted to check the information. Right. Okay, so this is what I'm going to do for you. First of all, instead of having to pay the full amount up front, I'm going to keep it split into three payments for you to make it easy. Okay, And then I'm going to go ahead and also give you a 60-day guarantee. Okay, so what that means is I'm going to guarantee you that you're going to completely love this and you're going to just love it and tell all of your girlfriends about it. And tell you what, if you're not satisfied for any reason before the 60 days is up, give me a call back and I'll give you a complete refund, no questions asked. Okay, so again, it comes in a couple different colors pink and silver. Which one did you say you liked better again? Uh, I like the pink one. Okay, let's go with that. You're going to love this. And your card number started with a four, you said, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So go ahead with that number when you're ready. Yep, four, two, 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 <laughs> three, eight, eight, eight. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Man, that was fun getting to do that again. I was sold, actually, for real, too. <laughs> That's oh, awesome. Oh, heck, yeah. You were sold, and you were a female, and, you were, yeah, and it still worked. Yeah, it, um, the principles work. No matter what, you just gotta you just gotta keep doing it. the The trick is to keep just to keep going. There's a couple principles I used in there that um, some people kind of forget about, and that is when when the as a salesperson, when they first re- hear that they need to rebut somebody or they need to overcome an objection if somebody gives them one, they first believe, and I know that they believe this because I was the same way and I believed it. Mm-hmm. They think you have to argue with the customer. And tell them that they're wrong, that they that this is the right decision right now. But did you feel how that did not feel very confrontational? No, it didn't at all. It was it was right. You were acknowledging my exactly. my my uh, indecision or wanting to call back, and you allowed me to be heard. But then you exactly. also gave me. Uh, I validated inform- it. Yeah, you what validated you just barely mentioned. Saying. What you just barely mentioned is key for any salesperson and, and Grant Cardone. If, if you have any entrepreneurs or salespeople that don't follow my Uncle G, I highly recommend that you follow Grant Cardone. But one thing he says is always, always, always agree with the customer. And that's key because nobody is going to listen to you if, you're, if you come double-fisted like you're about ready to fight them. Right. right? But if you have your hands down and you agree – it completely opens them up, so whatever you have to say, they're more likely to listen. And that's what you felt during that exchange, is I agreed with you, it made you open, so when I gave you something in addition, I applied a little bit of urgency, and it just made it feel like that this is the best time to do it. So, 
Yeah, that was great. And then you also mentioned, you know, some books that, that helped you out along the way. Can we talk about those as well? Yes. So again, one of the, some people say, how did you make such a huge transition, right? From, from being the worst to being the best in just a, just a few months. Right. And there's some, there's some principles behind that that I think made it work so fast. One of them was I was large, hugely coachable. Meaning, and when people talk about being coachable, there's, it's really split up into two different pieces on a scale of one to 10. And then, and books is a part of this. And one of them is you need to have a high willingness to learn. Okay. And when you ask most people, if like on a scale of one to 10, how willing are they to learn? Then most people will say, I'm a 10. I'm, I, I want to learn. Right. Right. But, but the next piece is you have to be willing to change. Mm. willing to take action, right? And if some people are a zero, let's say, on their willingness to change, then if, um, if you times 10, willingness to learn, times zero, your willingness to change, what's 10 times zero? Zero. Zero. So you're not even very coachable, right? You're not coachable at all. So you have to put those together. So if you're a 10 on your willingness to learn and a 10 on your willingness to change or take action, then you'll be a 100. And that's really... That's really what you want to go after, right? And so that's what I did is I committed to doing things that were not very comfortable at the time, like staying on the phone <laughs> with people, like until they hung up. Some of my calls went, my calls went from lasting two minutes, some of them 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour, hour Jeez. and a half. Seriously. Like it, <laughs> and, and what that taught me is it taught me how to freaking turn a no into a yes. So be coachable. Number two, Study. You need to study. Like the thing that Robert Kiyosaki told me in that book as well, in addition to needing to know how to sell, is he said, work to learn, don't work to earn. And that's how I took my job. Um, 99% of the people that get into sales do it for the money or they're doing it to try to, yeah, trying to better their position. I went into sales because I wanted to learn how to sell. That was my number one reason. And so the cool thing is it became my laboratory. I studied. The calls were recorded. I could go back and listen to how it went. I could um, get access to the very best salespeople at the time and listen to their calls and see what they're doing and figure out their principles, right? So you have to study. And the third thing is get a mentor. Get somebody that's done it before you. And that is where books come in. Books became my mentor. In addition to my mentor that I had that, that coached me through this, I had mentors. And there's just some amazing books out there that if, as you're t- in, on the field, taking the calls, doing the work, having a coach or a mentor there in the form of a book really helps you. Okay. Now, there's, there's, I've already mentioned Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but there's also five other books that I believe were key in helping me as I went through the, this process. Um, and those books were uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. That was one by Dale Carnegie. That's such a good book. It was written in like the 30s, and it's still applicable today. And so that's hugely important, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. The, now there's, uh, let's see, there was two books written by the same guy, the titles are almost similar, I feel like. Uh, the, the, the author is William Urey, I think is how you say his name. Okay. And the two books that, that I got from him that helped me 
uh, actually do, handle rejection and negotiate better. One of them is called getting past no. Getting past no is one of them. And then the other one is called getting to yes. Okay? Hmm. Getting past no and then the other one's getting to yes. Okay? And then the fourth one, the fourth sales book that I thought was very useful for me, it's called The Greatest Salesman in the World by Og Mandino. So valuable, timeless, and the principles in there are just fabulous. And then kind of a more modern book that <coughs> excuse me, a more modern book that's written by a guy that I I appreciate a lot, Grant Cardone. I've already mentioned him here. He has a number of books, but I really liked Sell or Be Sold. Mm. And he talks uh, in there about closing how, and but also how, like having confidence and that book just really helps you with like sales mindset the mindsets that you need to have to influence the other person and be effect, effective at persuading other people so those are the those are the handful i've read a lot more than that probably 30 to 50 sales books in addition to other books mm-hmm. since then but those i would say are my top 5 favorites that could help anybody get started. That's awesome. And you said you listened to all of those of Audible, or have you actually bought hard copies yes. of those ones? Okay. Those are all on Audible, every nice. single one. Yep. I love Audible as well. I think that's one of the, the best things you can listen to wherever you go. So I think that's really cool about that. So that that's awesome. So those are those five books. And then we were also talking about um, – you know, some other books that were kind of pivotal last week, you mentioned, you know, like the E-Myth and the four-hour work week. Uh, as, yeah. As, a, as an entrepreneur and, and you're building up your businesses, how how did those two books, you know, play a, a role in what you're trying to do today? Okay. So I freaking love those books. I'm so glad you brought those up. So the four-hour work week, oh my gosh, that w- when I read that, I was at a point in my life where I was just working my butt off so much, spending so many hours in a day and still being in the employee role. And what Tim Ferriss's book showed, The 4-Hour Work Week, was you freaking have so much, not only potential, but ability to create freedom in your life today. And it's called four hour work week for a reason because it um, it may not you may work more than four hours to get this set up, but it just shows you the possibilities. It shows you how you can get automated. You can set things up and get on automation using um, the internet, using technology that it's that's available today. And so, if anything else, it just changes your mindset with possibilities. And if you want to have a life of freedom and you want to work on your own terms, that book is a Freaking awesome book to read. I love Tim Ferriss. He's one of my uh, man crushes for sure. <laughs> so there's that. And then the E-Myth, oh, that, that book is helping me massively right now as I'm starting my own online businesses. But the biggest takeaway I got from that is um, – well, I'll, I'll give you the problem that a lot of people have mm-hmm. when, they're, when they go from an employee to entrepreneur. When people go from employee to entrepreneur, they end up – just going from having a job to owning a job. They actually go from working 40 hours a week to working 80 hours a week for similar pay. And the only difference is is they're in control of it, and they have way more responsibilities. They have way more hats. They just start working in their business, and they can usually go to burnout. What the E-Myth talks about is it shows you 
how to go from working in your business to on your business. There's a difference, huge difference. So when you're in it, you're doing every little thing and and like I said, getting close to burnout. And instead, it teaches you how to take a step back and work on your business to make it a system. And Robert, Kiyos talks, Robert Kiyosaki in Rich Dad Poor Dad talks about the importance of building a system as well. You don't want to just have something that's a lot of work. One thing that a quote that Robert Kiyosaki says is, when you're doing your business, are you hauling buckets or are you creating a pipeline? Mm. Meaning if your job was to transfer water from out in the vill- or out in the forest to the village, are you just hauling buckets or are you creating a pipeline? And that is such that's so important. And the E Myth really helps you with that mindset as well to systemize everything, work on your business, make it work and be able to run without you. And it just helps you scale and gives you a ton of freedom. Gosh, I'm love I love that you shared, you know, those books and then also the other six that you were sharing earlier. And and to me, your story and what you're going through right now is just so fascinating that literally I could probably stay on here with you all day. <laughs> oh, dude, I love it. I, yeah, I love sales. I love entrepreneurship. I love anyone that's going after their dream. I think we were created for something greater. So I'm with you there. <laughs> Absolutely. And just to hear, you know, like the passion when you're talking come out of you is, is I know that it would be it would be, you know, you would be great to have on. But wrapping up here, you know, we talked about a lot from from what entrepreneur, how entrepreneurs need to learn how to sell themselves, from talking about Robert Kiyosaki and Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and then also the principles that you've been able to apply to make you uh, a successful entrepreneur, and then also the things you are working on now. Uh, two mm-hmm. final questions, uh, Calvin. The first okay. one is call to action. What would be your call to action to myself, the listeners, if we are getting serious about really becoming an entrepreneur? The Nike slogan, freaking just do it. Mm. You know, there's two things. Number one, the, the first thing is it's going to you realize that it's going to be harder than you think. And then number two, that they go together is freaking just do it anyway. I promise it'll be worth it. Uh, there's this awesome video that you, your viewers can watch. It's a, it's a, something that Steve Harvey does sells, says to his audience like before a game show. Mm-hmm. If you search like Steve Harvey jump, freaking love that video. Steve Harvey jump on YouTube. And it talks about just taking the leap, jumping off of the cliff of life to, to use your gift. And yes, when you jump, your gift is, is, is like the parachute that's going to save you from the sharp edges of the cliff. Right? Right. But he, he makes a promise. He's like, but you got to realize when you first jump, the parachute does not open right away. It will open. It has to open. But at first, you're going to get some cuts. You're going to get some tears. And so that's the first thing is just freaking do it. Just jump. It's going to hurt at first. But I promise you, if you just keep going, it's going to be worth it in the end. Man, that's awesome that you shared Steve Harvey. He always reminds me. Of my granddad, because I just remember him oh, from, really? watching, from watching his uh, comedy stuff. And like his mannerisms are exactly yeah. the same as Steve Harvey's. And he would say, oh, that, you know, say s- similar things that Steve Harvey would say, too. Oh, he is such a stud. <laughs> I love Steve Harvey. I love that guy. And then the, the final question is, what would be your definition of fulfilling life's yearnings? My definition of fulfilling life's yearnings. I believe that is finding out 
what your gift is, whatever that is, and going after it 100%. Giving value with your gift, finding out what it is that you were meant to do. And that might change, by the way. Some people think it's something that's a whole lifelong mission. We have people that wake up at six years old or they're, they're older now and they're like, oh, I knew exactly what I was going to do when, at six years old and I'm still doing it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I envy those people because I've gone through a ton of struggle trying to find out what my passion is. But once you have a really good idea, just do it anyway. Like Go after it with um, – find out what your gift is and go forward. Done is better than perfect. Whatever it is, just ship it and get moving. Mm, great words. That was Calvin Wayman. And Calvin, what can we do to stay in contact with you? Are there any resources that you wanted to share, how we can stay connected with you and what's going on? Absolutely. I'm Calvin Wayman everywhere. So you can go to calvinwayman.com. Check me out there. I'm also heavy in social media since that's what I do for a living, <laughs> managing social media accounts. So you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, Snapchat, Periscope, just search Calvin Wayman and you will find me there. Also, some of your listeners, I don't know if they're into Periscope or anything like that. I love Periscope. Awesome. I'm just barely launching uh, a new course that teaches people how what, what Periscope is, but also how to start using it for business and entrepreneurship, uh, like to get clients and stuff like that. And if you want to check that out, they can go to theperiscopepro.com. All right, that was theperiscopepro.com. Yeah, awesome. Pro. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I love using Periscope and, and, and checking out how people are putting their videos and, and, and quick insights to what they have going on. So that's really cool. And again, Calvin, man, I just want to you know, thank you for spending some time yeah, with me today. This was, this was yeah, uh, we'll have, uh, a, lot of, some, a lot of firsts. <laughs> yeah, this was, this was a ton of fun. I um, <laughs> definitely look forward to maybe running into you somewhere else and just have, I'm sitting down for like a coffee or hanging out and um, just talking about entrepreneurship some more. Oh, heck yeah. I'm definitely going to have to make my way out to uh, sunny uh, San Diego as opposed to yeah. being over here in, in Michigan. <laughs> so I wouldn't make that happen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. I don't envy you right now sitting in the snow while I'm enjoying the sun. <laughs> awesome. So that was Calvin Wayman. I'm, I'm Blake Soleil. Again, thanks for spending some time with me. And for anything that we talked about on today's episode, for you guys listening in, um, you'll be able to check that out on the website, uh, fulfillinglifesyearnings.com forward slash Calvin dash Wayman. And then if you check out the show notes, you'll be able to see exactly how to get all of the things that Calvin uh, shared with us today. So without further ado, I'm Blake. Today's guest was Calvin. And as always, guys, go out there and be fly. Thanks for listening to Fulfilling Life's Yearnings. I want to know what your biggest takeaway is. So please head on over to fulfillinglifesyearnings.com today and click on the show notes link for today's episode which is located on the home page and leave a comment the show notes page is where you can find the resources mentioned during the show and will be very valuable for you on your own journey to stay up to date about what's happening please subscribe to my newsletter and subscribe to the show on itunes and while you're subscribing on itunes it would definitely mean a lot to me if you would leave a review to show future potential listeners of Fulfilling Life's Yearnings what you think as your voice helps them decide if Fulfilling Life's Yearnings is right for them. Now it's in your hands. Are you ready to fly? Until next episode, 
stay in the zone and make today a fly day by taking action on your dreams.